Today we come to celebrate this great feast of Christ the King, the king, kingship of our Lord, which is, of course, called into question. Pilate questioning him, are you a king? And our Lord not really giving much of a clear answer you know, other than you say, I'm a king, so I'm a king, right? But establishing the fact that, that his kingship is not of this world, that, that he, he has an authority, but not simply a, merely a kingship in, in the sense that the world anticipates it. Remember in, in the sixth chapter of St. John's Gospel and, and other places where they hear our blessed Lord and, and you know, they, they hear his words and they, they want to go and make him a king. And he flees. And the reason is that would really be a demotion for what it is that he has come to do. It would be something less than his true mission to establish his kingship of the entire universe, not simply of a small piece of the world but rather that all nations might be able to come to know the goodness of God, that all nations might be able to be placed under his authority and know the power of his reign, not simply Israel, but all, ourselves included here. And if we reflect upon that, it's the Lord God who, who desires to establish his kingship in the social realm, right, as part of the foundation of this Feast of Christ the King, is to, to reestablish that Christ has a place in the world, that the government leaders of the day, they cannot create paradise here. That government leaders do not have final say. Our Lord does. And we ought to remember this. But we also acknowledge the fact that the social reign of Jesus Christ is dependent upon the individual reign of Christ within us. Because if we are indeed the basic cells of, of, the, of the culture, if every one of us are the members of which make up a nation, that it is dependent upon us and the willingness for us to be reigned over by Christ ourselves individually that then compels us to go forth and to show forth the reign of Christ in the world. The more each individual hearts consent to Christ, the more our culture changes, the more our nation and our world change. And so it is for us to ensure that this response of the heart is to allow Christ to reign. And we see it here today, looking at the person of Pontius Pilate, who is not usually the focus of our homiletic reflections, but today I think a helpful one, because it's Pilate who has Jesus Christ, the God-man, the Word made flesh, the King of all the universe, has him right there at his fingertips. He's right there in front of him, and he totally misses the opportunity to allow Christ to reign in him. He totally misses this tremendous gift that I think every one of us would love to have, an experience of standing right before the Savior of the world. How blessed it would be to be able to stand before him and to look into his eyes and have him look into ours, to be able to hear his voice, to speak to him, and to know that he speaks to us. We know these things happen in the Holy Eucharist. We know they happen in the Holy Mass, in the sacred scriptures. But to have the man himself in flesh and blood breathing right before us, what a gift. And yet, Pilate misses it entirely. It is an absolute swing and miss. It is the saddest of losses. Because he could have had eternal life but he settled for temporal power. He could have had God himself. Instead, he settled for a piece of land 
Pilate shows us how it is and how easy it is that we can miss Christ, that we cannot take advantage of the ways in which he stands right before us and we miss him. We're deaf to him. We're blind to him. It's an invitation for us to reflect upon this person of, of Pilate and to learn from his example. Because in everything that happens, we can always learn how it is that we can follow Christ more, how it is that we can be more and more perfectly converted to Christ, either by example of the good or to learn what not to do from the bad. In Pilate, we see several things that are happening around him, and there are things that are not uncommon to us. We know that Christ is present there right before him. He's, he's there in the moment. And before every one of us, all throughout the day, the Lord God stands before us in some mystical manner. Here at this Mass, in the Holy Eucharist, and the sacrifice of the altar, in various times throughout the course of our day, he presents himself simply by his will, by allowing his will to unfold right before us. And it's for us to be able to find our Lord and to see our Lord and to stay with our Lord be attentive to him in the present moment. And this is what I think Pilate fails to do. He fails to, to truly be present to Christ, to truly allow the Lord to impose upon him his reign. Because what Pilate experiences are things that we also experience that separate us from the goodness of the Lord and pull us away from the presence of Christ in the particular moment in which we live and place us elsewhere. Pilate is full of fear, recognizing that he would like to set our Lord free. He has nothing against him. There's nothing that's, that's binding the Lord, that, 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 rather that's binding Pilate to have to, to have to put our Lord to death. He finds him innocent. It tells him us on several occasions. I find the man innocent. There's nothing that he has done. He even washes his hands at the end as a symbolic way of saying, like, I didn't do anything. Like, this is, this is off me. This is on you, right? And it's all of this, but he's doing this in a spirit of fear because he knows that if he were to let the man actually go free, there would be rebellion. If he doesn't let Barabbas go, people will revolt. You are no friend of Caesar's. And one must be a friend of Caesar if one is in authority under his reign. And so out of fear of rebellion, out of fear of losing his power, out of fear of losing his position, out of fear of losing whatever it is that held Pilate to Caesar, because of all of these things, because of the fear of it, he sets aside himself, he sets aside Christ and chooses the world. We also recognize the, the noise of the crowds that night. That on, on Good Friday, we recognize and, and, and we hear echoed in, in Passion Sunday that there is a, a cry of the people, a cry for the Lord to be crucified. And there are exclamation points placed after it. Crucify him, crucify him. And the more he, the more he says, I find nothing wrong with him, what should I do with him? Crucify him, it gets even more intense. And the noise of the crowds, again, it brings him to fear. It brings him away from the peace wherein Christ is able to speak to him. Pilate was away with our Lord separately in the occasion that we just read a moment ago. They were separate. They were apart from the rest of the people. 
But as soon as Pilate goes out, he's affected by the noise of the world that drowns out the words of Christ. It steals them away. It makes them null and void. It's the social pressure of the world around Pilate that allows all these things to take place. In the end, it's just simply an uncertainty. That Pilate is not willing to consent to these things. He's wrestling with the ideas. He's asking questions. He's, he's digging into things, trying to make sense of what it is that's happening right here in front of me. But he is so intent upon having certainty, and he is unwilling to have faith. He must know the answers to his questions. He must know who this Jesus is. He must know all of these things rather than hearing the call to trust and being willing to follow after him. He forces himself to be full in his mind, but his soul is terribly empty. And these are the things, the same things, which often fall upon us in the world. As we follow after our Lord, as we seek to follow him more and more perfectly, as we seek to allow the social reign of Christ to be glorious in the present, in the present time in our community, in our workplace, in our schools, in our homes, in the culture at large, in all of these places, we seek to bring Jesus Christ. And yet, sometimes we are reluctant to let him truly reign over us. Again, for the same reasons. We can be fearful of the consequences, fearful that it will cost us something, fearful that it will bring us discomfort, that we'll have to go without that thing that we enjoy a bit. These are attachments to the world that supersede the power and authority of Christ. In short, it is idolatry. It's for us to ensure that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing at all. It is not to be distracted by the noise of the world. Not to be distracted by the things on social media or the news, our favorite blogs and podcasts. All of these things are meant to stir up our hearts and fears and anxieties. I know no small number of you listen to various Catholic podcasts that lean a bit traditional. It's not a bad thing. But so many of them are saying, Pope Francis isn't the Pope. Or saying, well, maybe he's not the Pope. Maybe we should think about this a little bit more. Or that the Synod on Synodality is going to change everything in the universe and all of us are going to just slide right on down the fiery hell. Parenthetic point, the Synod has no authority over us whatsoever. Period. It's good to remember that. All of these things we can get caught up in, in, in the noise of so much of what's happening around us, or even the noise of our family life, the noise of just the, the economic, economic world in which we live. All of these things, all of these serve for so much noise. And they are simply the devil's best attempts to be able to distract us, even by holy things, to distract us and take our mind on so many things else around us and to neglect the basic things that are invited to us to take up every day. When people ask me what I think about, you know, this, that, or the other thing happening in the church and ask for my opinion, I can give it, but it's not always uh, a, a very long response because my response is essentially this. I can't control that. What I can control is what I do here at St. Agnes Parish in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I can control how I respond to those around me. I can control what I preach. 
I can control how I celebrate the sacraments. I can control how I can respond to people. And all of those are the places where Jesus Christ is able to reign in me. And if I do that well, I've done my part to take care of the bigger picture. It's for us to take care of living well our state in life and not to be distracted by so many of the things of the world that steal us away from the peace of Christ. In the same manner, the social pressures of the world, from whatever way they come, and especially fears, the fears that lead us to trying to seek out certainty in things. Certainty is not something that our Lord demands of us. Our blessed Lord did not demand of us absolute certainty that the Eucharist is the Eucharist, or that he would take care of us, or that Peter would walk on water, or any of the other number of things that happen in the Gospels and that continue to happen in life of the church. He didn't demand of us understanding. That's a gift of the Spirit, and to the extent that we possess it, God be praised. But there are things by which we are demanded to act in faith, demanded to place our trust in the good Lord, demanded and commanded to call to to simply step out in a way that says, I don't know what is coming, but if I stay close to Christ, I know that I am safe. This is what he calls us to. The world may go absolutely nuts. It's two-thirds the way there, I think. But that doesn't matter as far as our obligations to our Lord. It affects us, yes. We have to deal with it, yes. It's good to be mindful of it, yes. But we should not be so consumed in all of these things that it takes us away from the primary thing of placing our trust in the good Lord, trusting that Christ has been through the storms too, trusting that Christ has has seen so many things before, and he can handle this one as well. They literally put the man to death, and he rose back up three days later by his own volition. I think he can handle a few cardinals. Just saying, right? It's for us to place our trust in the good Lord, and to to the extent that every one of us has been entrusted with a little slice of the kingdom of heaven, which we are to take care of, whether by geographical region or by the authority which we have as uh, as members of families, as parents, as grandparents, godparents, and all the other things. It's for us to allow Christ to reign in us, to establish his reign fully in us, not to be his pilot and allow so many things to pull us away, not to be his pilot and to simply be separated from Christ, not to be his pilot and to seek certainty rather than faith, but rather to beg our blessed Lord in this holy mass in each day of our lives to have the grace to trust in him wholly and entirely and to allow him to reign gloriously in our hearts to the glory of God and the salvation of souls.